You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as a family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. We're going to talk this morning, I want to talk this morning about John chapter 21. And this is a post-resurrection message. It's perhaps a good, appropriate message for us the week after Easter. And uh, I remember way back in the early 80s, I came when we were just over here. And there was a, a guy that came, his name was David Edwards. Anybody remember him? Anybody remember? Anyway, I don't know if I even see anybody in here that, but he was a big hitter. And, you know, and I've said this before here, but this church has had some incredible men and women of God come through here. Incredible. And I was, um, remember Charles and Francis Hunter? The Happy Hunters. They, they had come here, I think, back in the 80s as well. But there was, there was all, there's been all kinds of great ministry. That, there's a legacy, there's a history here that's really rich. Tom Wells, I'll tell you what, I don't know. You could say, what that guy could draw in. He would find people that from the ends of the earth and bring them in here. And they were just they rich in the in the things of God, but David preached on John 21. There's only a few messages. Not a, there's a there's a number of messages I remember, and it was his when he spoke about Jesus building the fire and cooking the fish, and it was just incredible to listen to this guy speak and and uh, all these messages. And you, every one of you, have these incredible personal messages. Every time I think of Fern Douglas, I think suddenly. And that comes up to me, not just when I see her, but uh, just on the road, I think, oh, I need a suddenly, you know. So your message that you have that God has put in your heart is, is personal and it's good for all of us. So keep your message, share your message. If, if, if it's your message for a lifetime, you're going to find out this morning, I'm going to say stuff that you're not going to be surprised by because it's part of who I am um, even Justin at the beginning, he said, go ahead and I, I probably know what you're going to talk about. He said, you do. You know, it's very consistent. And um, I don't know how much fruit I've had with my message, but it doesn't matter. God has given me a message. If you read in um, Hebrews 11, um, these were, folks were given a promise and they died not having received. <laughs> you know, so it doesn't matter. We're called to proclaim. We're called to water and plant. He gives the increase, right? So keep at it. Keep at your ministry. Whatever the Lord has given you to do, do it with all your heart. So John chapter 21, I'm going to read verses 1 through 17 here. And it's post-resurrection, and uh, it's pretty self-explanatory. It says, After, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. I love that. It happened this way. Simon Peter... Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we will go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was him. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. 
When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. Is there about 153 here today? Probably about that. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Father, we just asked this morning, Father, for a hearing ear a seeing eye and a perceiving heart. Lord, that you'd speak to each of us directly, Lord God, and personally in our hearts. And Lord, that this would be food for our souls this morning as we begin the next week, Father, your servants, Lord, that you could depend on us, Lord God. You can call on us anytime, Father, and we would be ready to feed your sheep, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. How many foodies in here? Any, any people... Or, yeah, there's, you got the Food Network. Anybody watch that? What's your favorite food? You watch diners, drive-ins, and diners, diners, drive-ins, and dives. We, I, I actually started saving money because when I retire, we're going to take a month and we're going to, this is my wife's plan. We want to drive around the United States and hit some of these diners, drive-ins, and dives. I, wouldn't you want to kind of try some of that? But there's a, um, any, anybody do food in here for a living? That's, their, that's what they do for 40 hours a week. They work, serve. There's people that do that, and there's a lot of I mean, um, I do electricity for a living. That's what I'm, I'm in. Where I work for the power authority as well. Um, but there's, uh, food is a, is a big topic in the, in the Bible. Um, uh, there's many food stories from the Old Testament with the manna, the New Testament feeding 5,000. There's all kinds of food stories. And now we're back into food again with Jesus. We just finished out before the, the, the crucifixion with the Last Supper, right? We had food there. And then now we're at the, in the, the post-resurrection time, and we're back into breakfast time. Come and eat some breakfast. Come and have some breakfast. That's what Jesus says. And, um, you know, we're talking about physical food, and God always takes that which is natural. It says The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 15, 46, first the natural, 
than the spiritual. He takes these natural concepts and converts them into these spiritual truths. And that's what's happening today. And Jesus said, you know, I have meat to eat that you don't even know of. And that's not the physical food. This is the spiritual food. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So here it is, post-Easter. And I heard this morning you guys had a great Easter service last week. Is that right? Very powerful. So I'm, I'm hoping that this will be fitting for, for each of us today. Um, here's, here's the disciples. After, By the way, you know, it was, Jesus led these 12, and right up until he died, even at the very end, it said they, they had all scattered. Peter denied him. So he's, he goes to the cross, and it was an all-time low point. He spent three and a half years with these guys, and they're all gone. They left him. And it's, was, you could be very discouraged by that. And I think about, we, we talked about our families, and, and uh, you know, I have four kids, and not one of them's in church this morning. And um, it's hard. It's really hard. That was one of my crying sessions I had over here this morning. And, and, uh, and I know some, many of you are like that too, and your heart, they're at risk. You and I know that, but we also know that there's resurrection. And there are suddenly, where's Fern? Where'd you go? Oh, she went to Augsburg. There's suddenly, God has this for each of our children. The best thing you and I can do for our children is serve God with all our hearts. If you give up on God, you're giving up on them. If, if it's not good, serve more. You know, the, uh, if it's terrible, serve more. Turn it on. Turn it on. That's what this is all about. God wants us to, to you know, uh, we're supposed to love him over our children, over our, everybody else. And that's it, not easy. He, he knows it's painful. He gets that. And, but we have to make some decisions. And we're going to go through some depth of troubles with, with all kinds of things. Um, but the solution in every case is to press in to God even harder. So that's a, that's a key. If you don't leave, if, you, if that's the only thing you leave here with, when things get tough, press in. Don't run away. Be, don't be like Adam and hide, but run, run to him. So verse 3, Peter says, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. This is post-resurrection. Well, he's going back fishing? Really? We, we've been there, done that already. Jesus came and got him out of the boat. Now I'm going back fishing. It was a great ride, but I really don't know what to do now. This is the week after Easter. A real heightened level of awareness and presence of God. Now what do we do? Are you, do you feel a little maybe disillusioned today, perhaps? Do you feel like, you know, I'm going to go back to my comfort zone? Maybe this is not as good as I thought it was. And so we go back to our comfort zone. Anybody have a comfort zone? What's your comfort zone? Reading or whatever, yes. And, and that's okay. All of these things, my comfort zone is probably the tennis court. Or Monday morning in my office. You know, I don't know, Doug, Doug and I talked about him retiring today and it's tough to leave your work. That's your place. That's where you belong, even though you may not like it. <laughs> that's where you belong. 
and it's your comfort zone. We re, and we return back to these places that give us this identity or just this comfort, basic comfort. And um, this is what the disciples are doing. They go back, they're perhaps a little disillusioned. I don't know what to do next. And so, well, let's just go back to the comfort zone. Let's go back to where we were. It wasn't so bad, you know, and, and um, we'll give it another go in our, the way it used to be. And then it says in verse 4, in the New King James says, but, it starts with the word but. It says, but Jesus stood on the shore. But Jesus, 100 yards out, they were, he was on the shore, standing there watching, stalking them, <laughs> whatever, I don't know. You know, I'm, I listened to it. Anybody know the name Connie Kendall? Adventures in Odyssey? Nobody adventure in Odyssey people? Okay, that's, all right. So I, this is where I get my theology, okay? From Justin goes to Bible school, I go to Adventures in Odyssey. So, uh, but I was listening to uh, a story in Adventures in Connie Kendall. She gets this opportunity before she's born again, before she's saved, she gets this opportunity to go back to California where she came from, and she's all excited to be rejoin with her friends and go back to the way it was, you know? And she ends up going back there, and she, the Lord is hounding her back there, and she connects with old friends, and it didn't work, and then another old kind of friend who was saved, and they were pressing on her, and finally she just comes back to Odyssey. And uh, she says to Wit, you know, I've, and if, you, if, you gotta, if you haven't listened to Adventures in Odyssey, you've got to get you got to listen to how to focus on the family. But she says, the way, I don't know everywhere I go. I'm just being hounded by this. I've got every, I can't get away from it. And uh, this is what's happening here with Peter. And the disciples, Jesus is waiting for them, waiting for them on shore. He's on shore drawing you to his fire, to his food, knowing that your comfort zone will no longer give you what you need. You know, you can't catch no more fish in California, Connie. There's, it's, it's, those days are behind, and God knows it. And this, to me, this whole concept, to me, troubles me a little bit. Because there are times when I want to just sit down and read a book, right? You know, I, I, I want to just play some tennis or whatever, do my thing. But, you know, why... Does it always have to be so intense? And if you read the word of God, you sense this intensity, this continual pulling, pressing, just like Jesus shows back up as the gets right back into their lives. Does the Bible truly paint a picture of this constant dealing? Do we have to be on our game all the time? And there's a couple scriptures here that kind of point us to this. Then if you look at Deuteronomy 7, 12, I think, JJ, you've got that, right? Deuteronomy said, if you pay attention to these laws and are careful to follow them, then the Lord your God will keep his covenant of love with you as he swore by his ancestors. If you're careful to follow, and the other one is Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. And if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you to this day, the Lord your God will set you above, high above all the other nations. 
All these blessings will come to you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. And there's a list a whole bunch of blessings. But this is about really being careful to follow and fully obey. We're talking all in on this. Our lifetimes are really need to be totally devoted to God. It is a 24-7 thing. It is all your heart. You love the, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your body, everything, right? The Holy Spirit is always pulling us out of this non-caring, non-productive tendency back into service. It says things like awake sleeper. It says don't bury your talents, right? It says keep your hand on the plow. Um, you remember we read about Caleb in the Old Testament. Caleb was 85 years old, and he's ready to still take a mountain. 85 years old. Ready to go. Does this excite you guys? Who's got a mountain still that, you're, that God wants you to take? Raise your hand if you got a mountain. Um, you need a mountain. I, I don't care if you're 85. You need to have a mountain. And, and, and God is still wanting to do something, new things. So most all the discussions recorded in the Bible involving Jesus are him teaching, correcting, and challenging. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for comfort, for blessing, for peace. Did I get that right? No, I didn't. I didn't get it right. God wants to comfort us. He wants to bless us. He wants to give us peace. But that scripture, it says, all scripture points to, is, is designed to teach us, to rebuke us, to correct us, to train us that we're thoroughly equipped, right? So this thing is intense. It is, you know? And I, I gotta think sometimes people look at us from the outside and say, man, these guys are always at church and it's always about God and, you know, they're always on a mission, you know? And God wants that spirit in our heart. There's a place of rest in, in all of that. There's a place of peace and joy and hope and, and rest, but it's in service, not out of, it's not, a, it's not found on a beach. It's not found in Connie's case in California. It's where, where God has, he's calling you to. You know, so Jesus has all these, all these instructions and draws us, and then Paul picks up on the same thing. And, and uh, there's no, not much small talk in the Bible, is there? It's really designed to tell, you, to tell you and I to encourage us. And I love what Donnie always used to say. He says, um, God came to uh, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable, <laughs> you know? And, I mean, that's kind of the way it is. If, 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 I need, if I'm in a place where I need help, God's there comforting me, giving me rest and peace. But if I'm strong, he's afflicting me and stirring me, like standing on the shore, waiting for me to come so he can get into my business, right? So um, Paul's doing the same thing. Jesus, really life is, a, is God's classroom. That's what it is. Um, it's in session until our last breath. No semesters off. No graduations in this life. You stay in the classroom. That's what, that's what this is all about. We're in his classroom. And so I got a multiple choice list I want to put up here. And this is a, which best describes what this is all about, okay? Just a simple thing. This is one of these tests that they're all right, but there's one best answer. How do you like those tests? My daughter hates those, and I hate them too because 
well, this one's best to me, but you gotta, I never get it. I don't think I've ever gotten these, one of these right that says they're all right, but one of them's better. But here's, we're going to try it again today. God loves you and is systematically arranging everything in your life for an ultimate place of victory. Sound good? Probably. God loves you and is preparing you to be more fully, to more fully understand your role and function in the body. God loves you and wants to allow for your uniqueness and strengths to help build the kingdom as a co-laborer of Jesus Christ. That sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah. How about this? God loves you and is regularly trying your faith by fire so that you bear much fruit and be able to stand until the final day. Mm. God loves you and wants you to be active in church, worship, intercession, prophetic, and life group teams. What do you think is the best answer? C. See, I'm, I'm going with D today, and I'm the professor, so you're all wrong. No. <laughs> They're all good answers, but I want to I point to this idea of this trial by faith, this fire, this, the, the, your faith which is more precious than gold, and Jeff talked about that yesterday, the gold and when we had men's prayer here in the morning. Jeff Mayville talked about the gold and how it's purified and heated up. And, uh, you know, um, Jesus says, come to breakfast. Come and have some breakfast. And he says, uh, in the middle of this whole thing, after they had caught nothing, he says, come to breakfast. Come and eat. And you know there's no such thing as a free lunch, right? heard that before we say oh jesus didn't do anything with a hook in it he did everything with a hook in it and we're thankful for that too right because his hook is what we need in our mouth and i remember about 20 years ago remember dave and sherry robinson dave got on got us into this opportunity to go to florida and we had we could go and stay at this really nice place for like 200 bucks for the week and it was one of those timeshare trial things. So we go and stay there, and he, they said, all you got to do is come to the meeting afterward and listen to what we have to say. Oh, my goodness, was that a tough meeting. They, were, they, they had hooks in every corner of my, and I had everything I could do to get out of there without being angry, you know? So um, it's like there was a hidden agenda. And I'm not saying that God has hidden agendas, but he does. With you, and he draws us, he does things in our life, he blesses us, but there's a deeper purpose all the time. And that's what, that's what he's feeding. Jesus um, feeds them breakfast. When they're all done, he gets right back into Peter's business, right back into it. And, uh, you know, the Bible says he chastens those he loves. Anyone feel God's love last week? <laughs> a little bit? Boy, I went through it. It took me till just this morning to recover for some of the stuff that I went through. You know, I tell the guys in, when we go to the jail to do jail ministry, I say, the reason you're here, you got caught, and your best friend out there didn't get caught because God loves you more than him, you know? And they go, what? Yeah, you know, I guess. And <laughs> But it's true. That's why you're sitting here this morning and not watching the Food Network or something. You're here because God loves you and he's dealing with you and he's not going to let you just slide through life. He's got purpose and mission for you and I. And he wants you to be able to stand on that final day. 
And your faith is being tried. It's tough. It's tough for me. This is a miracle that I'm even standing up here. I mean, I graduated the bottom half of my class. I'm that, you know the fool you read about in Proverbs? That's me. That's me. I've had a lot. You know, God spoke to my heart 40, almost 40 years ago. You're going to be a preacher. It took 35 years. 35 years of just, I don't know what I went through. These times of fire refining and refixing and repairing and, and uh, chastening. It, it's tough. And I, I, can't, I can't do this. And I still, I still struggle with these foolish tendencies. I don't think I can make a good car deal. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I need to have somebody go with me to help me buy a car. Otherwise, I'm going to just get, because I, I, it's just the way it is. And so this is, this is what it's all about. God's dealing with us and taking us from our pit and just bringing us to a place to be able to use us. And he's trying us so that we can bear much fruit. We can bear much fruit. And that's where I'm heading today. So he says to Peter, he says, Peter, feed my sheep. Three times he says this. Feed my sheep. And this isn't really an ask, all right? I remember I worked for General Motors, and there was a superintendent named Greg Schaefer. And he, he, first time I heard this, he gave somebody an order to get on a fork truck and go move some materials. He said, will you go move some materials? And the guy started resisting. Greg looked at him and says, this isn't an ask. You know, I'm saying, will you? But I'm not really saying, will you? You know, And that's what this, this is Jesus saying to Peter, feed my sheep. I don't know what you think your relationship with God is like, but if it's not he's Lord, he's the boss, there's some problems in it. Sure, he's your friend. He loves you unconditionally. He answers your prayers. He wants us to pray and believe and receive that our joy may be full. You know the whole faith message that we've heard? I was involved in it for five years. I listened to Hagen, Copeland, Norval Hayes, all of them for hours on end, tapes after tapes, read books after books. And uh, that message is not incorrect. It's just incomplete. There's, that's a very important thing. The faith, faith message is like, you ever see a weightlifter, a bodybuilder? You ever see somebody that has big muscles up top and then skinny little legs? It's just not right, is it? So that faith message is like building the upper body, you know? And then the people on the other side of the, the, the suffering message, which is valid, we need to be able to suffer, right? Um, that's like the speed skater with the big, huge legs that can skate around but has a tiny little upper body. The whole thing is needed. You know what? You're going to need that faith message someday. You're going to need it. When things get really tough, you're going you're to you're go back and look up the happy hunters, Francis and, and Charles, and start getting back into their information to help you, to support you, get you through something that's really difficult. So he does want to comfort you. Um, he does want to bless you, but he also is the Lord of our lives, and he's got a commission, a call for each of us. Hebrews 10.31 says the, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. 
He's our friend, but he's also the God of the universe. And I've had bosses that I tried to be a little too friendly with, and it's like, nope. You know, they're shaking your hand with, with one hand, they got your other hand on your neck, you know. There's, we need to understand that authority, that place. We don't have good understanding of authority. Um, even the centurion, remember the centurion in Matthew chapter 8? Um, he said, come and heal my servant. And, and, or I heal my servant. Jesus said, I'll come. He said, don't, you don't have to. I'm a man like you. I understand authority. You don't even have to come. Just say the word. And Jesus looked at him. He said, that's great faith. If you have a good understanding of authority, it's, Jesus parallels that to a high level of faith. We need to understand this authority of God in our lives. Amen? And uh, he's the God of the universe, and we need to tremble a little bit. You ever tremble sometimes with God? You ever have those times where, where he's put his finger hard on you and said, wait a second now. I've done it. I've offended people. I've offended little ones. I remember I was on the worship team at one time here. Elaine knows. Where's Elaine? Elaine knows. I don't know, probably eight, nine, year, ten years ago I was on, and I had a bad attitude. I had a bad attitude. And not just for one service, for a long time. And you know, you know what I'm talking about too, don't you? And uh, Donnie pulled me aside. Did you say this? I said, yep. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was nasty, you know. And after I got a grip on what was going on, I wanted to crawl under a rock because the hand of God was heavy on me. When, when I've, it's a fearful thing to fall into his hand, you know. Judas couldn't take it. He had to go out and hang himself. It's a, it's, you know, this is a big deal. And so God has got a call in our lives that it's a, it's a beautiful thing, but it's not just optional. It's for real, all right? So you may find yourself in a situation someday where a family member turns on you or you lose a job or, or you're like Job and God says, God comes to you and, and says, Satan, have you considered my servant Brian? You know, have you considered my servant Joe? Kevin, how about, have you considered Kevin? And uh, away you go. You don't even know that's going on behind the scenes. Or, or Mike, you know, or Joyce, have you considered my servant Joyce? You don't know that's happening. And you're going to go through some stuff that are really tough that you can't get yourself out of. If your view of God is he always gives me everything that makes me happy, you'll check out when those times, when those times get tough. It can't be, I suppose I can handle a little discomfort, a little trouble, just as long as the good outweighs the bad, right? We're called, we're called to, be, to be strong, to get strong, both lower body and upper body, to be well-balanced, well-equipped, amen? So here's where I'm going with this, and I'll, I'm getting close to the end, but Jesus finishes off. This is the whole, the whole food chapter, John 21. Jesus finishes off, and he says, feed my sheep. Tend to my lambs. Feed, feed my lambs. Take care of them. And this is the call that God has on each and every one of us. We go through this time, these down times after these big, exciting times in God and we get disillusioned and Jesus has to come back to us and address us and say this is the mission refocus here 
just, just as he did with Peter and the, and the disciples. You know, we need to set the example of service in difficult times. So people see and know that we're, we're his servants and we're not to be idle. Hebrews 10.25, it says, so much more. It's talking about encouraging one more. So much more as you see the day approaching. And I'm, tr- I'm, I'm kind of laying a heavy on you to, to be engaged here, but I don't really apologize because that's what, Jesus didn't have to come back and stand on the shore. He could have just gone away and let everything go and see how things worked out, but God wants to get back into our business, each of us, recommission us, remind us of the call of God that's on each of our lives. No idleness. Nehemiah 4.17, um, JJ, if you can put that up, says those, the second part, those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other hand. Both hands are full. They're busy building, defending. That's a picture of our lives. So does this have to be intense? I guess so. It's the way it is. That's what God is pulling us back into service. I don't want any of us to end our lives and say, I could have done more. I could have done more. Remember what it said about Jesus is, if all the the books in the world couldn't record everything that Jesus did here on earth, I'm like, wow, he did way more than we read about. Way more. And it was nonstop. If he went to a well to get water, he was right on it. We're talking with the girl with, at the well. If he went um, to try to heal somebody, the woman with the issue of blood, he had this go through two other people to heal. I think there was one or two other people just to get to that person to heal that person. Um, God has an anointing for each and every one of you. And as we feed, as we do his will, there, we won't run out. It's like we, we were talking about, talking about earlier, go-go, you know, or or, or now-now. It said now-now. Um, remember with the um, feeding of the 5,000? The disciples looked at Jesus and said, boy, they're hungry. What did Jesus say? You feed them. You feed them. And uh, we want this time where God is just going to open up and bring people in, our relatives, our loved ones, and fill this place back up with every seat. We want God to do that. He's saying, you feed them. You go out. You, you, uh, you've been freely given. Give. You know, we, talked, we prayed this morning about light coming in and then going out through the worship team. And, and water, the same thing, water coming in and going out. That's what happens. God is filling us with light, filling us with water, and we pour the glasses of water for everybody else. So there's complete engagement, no indifference. What's in your hands? Are you building, are you building and fighting at the same time? Are you, are you busy? Are, are you doing, it, doing what God wants you to do? Um, productivity is important to God. And I, got a, I have this tennis racket stringer. I bought it 35 years ago. That thing has paid for itself. I think I paid 100 bucks for it. Paid for itself 20 times over. I, how many of you have something at home that is extremely productive? It's 
you, it's given you way more than you, than you paid for it. And that's what God has for us. He wants each of us to be productive like that. Bearing fruit, feeding, edifying, encouraging, pointing people to God, from giving a person a cup of water in his name, to buying them a hotel room as a, the Samaritan. Remember the good Samaritan? All the way to ultimately sharing the gospel with them. And this is, this is the one thing that we've got we've to get right, okay? We've got to understand really how to share our faith. And, and let's take a little time. And, and if you have to take a course or something, or read a book, or I got a YouTube video. It's just like, I think it's only 80 seconds or so. Can you play that video? This, is, this will teach us just a simple... When I, I listened to this after just searching the internet for... 30 seconds, and uh, it, it helped me. I want to have you... Sharing the gospel is a much simpler task than we make it. Sharing the gospel is about really knowing what the gospel is, that it is this announcement of news, this announcement of the good news that God saves sinners, through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And I think one of the things we need to keep in mind is that sharing the gospel is as simple as sharing that news. Who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, who we are as sinners, and why we need the work of Christ, and how we are called to repentance and faith. This is the message of the gospel, and this is what we share. Unfortunately, we like to think of evangelism in terms of our ability to win arguments, our ability to convince people, our ability to really manipulate people and get them to make certain responses. That's not our job. Our job is to make the gospel clear. Our job is to make much of Christ. Our job is to let the sinner know that they are in jeopardy and to let them know that there is good news because God has provided an answer in the person and work of Jesus Christ. This is the simplicity of the gospel we share. Just something real simple like that, a simple YouTube video. Dig in a little bit. Learn how, be, the Bible says, be ready to give an answer for the hope that's that's inside of you. You know, your dreams, your burdens, your abilities are all tied to your call. I believe they are. Your call is not something totally outside of your dreams, your abilities, and your giftings and talents. It's all tied in. You know, um, we're called to feed. And that's what, that's what this message turns into. That's really what I'm driving here. You know, if you've come through a place of to a place of disillusionment, and the Holy Spirit's pulling, drawing you from the shore back to himself, he's saying this, do you love me? And you're like, mm, I, I do, I guess, but you know all things, God. And he's saying, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. You and I are called to feed. You feed them. You speak the word. How are they going to hear unless there's someone sent? How are they going to hear? You and I have this responsibility. And this is a wonderful thing because we have incredible time. I'm not asking you to change your life 
Change your lifestyle. Stop doing this. Start doing this. I'm saying go your way. Do what you do normally, but always be ready. Have your antennas up for the Holy Spirit to use you so you can have a book of your own. There's a book written about charity or, or um, anybody here. There's a book that contains story after story after story of how you did exploits for God, how you shared the gospel, how you gave somebody a cup of water in the name of Jesus. All of that stuff. Anything you do that redirects them, points them to the God of the universe. This is important, saints. We've got to get a hold of this. And I don't mean to put a real heavy, does it feel heavy? I hope it doesn't feel heavy. But then again, we have to understand that we're accountable to the God of the universe for how we live our lives. Amen? Amen. So do you love him today? You love him? Feed a sheep. Feed. Be feeders. Be foodies. That's so good, Bruce. Can we just thank Bruce? There's a there's a pastor out in Minnesota that I, I listen to. He's got a he has a band that he does on the side. The name of the band is called Not Dead Yet. And he's uh, he's an older guy, and he's got his rock band that he, he goes and, and plays. He's also a pastor, author, and this this idea of not dead yet, meaning there's more. There's more for us to do. There's more for you to do. There's more for me to do. And this has been a really, Bruce, you were talking to me today. So thank you, Bruce. It was like just what I needed to hear. And it also reminded me, um, we haven't announced it yet, but in, in five weeks, uh, Mark Estes is going to be back with us. He's going to be here on a Sunday morning in five weeks. He's the pastor of the church in Portland uh, that we look to. He's our covering. He's leading the Mana House Global family that we're a part of, and he's going to be out sharing with us. But on the Saturday before he speaks on Sunday, he's going to do an evangelism workshop. And we haven't worked out the details of that exactly. I think we're actually going to do it um, in Saranac Lake. Um, but it's going to be open to all of us to go um, just for a couple uh, morning sessions, just about two and a half hours, three hour a time where we're going to focus on evangelism and just sharing our faith and sharing the good news, the gospel, what, what the video said, being able to share the hope that's within us so that people can, can have that same hope, have that same life, have that same desire. And I like this. It's not a heavy message, but it is a heavy message because we're supposed to feel the weight of our life, the weight that we're not dead yet. There's more to do. So thank you, Bruce. I invite you just to stand with me. I'm going to pray and, and just and invite you. There's a bake sale back there. I think I mentioned it earlier, but that's to benefit our, our, our team that's going over to Uganda this summer. Um, so free calories are back there, but they're not free. So, so you can pull out a couple of dollars and grab some goodies. Jesus, we thank you, God, that you have more for us to do. Even as Bruce encouraged us that that wherever things are at, just lean in, serve more, give more, get engaged more, follow more. God, we, we thank you for this weight that you have because you're not done with us. You have more for us to do. And we thank you for the opportunity. We thank you for the opportunity to, to love on others, to bless others, to, to share your love with others. I pray that this weight just rests on us in a way. Jesus, you said that, that your burden is not light, that your burden is light. God, you exchange our heavy burdens for yours, but God, it is a burden that we are supposed to carry. 
God, to show others, to show people, to show our friends, our families, our neighbors, our coworkers what life and love and hope looks like. So God, may we know that. May we be able to share it. May we be able to draw others in. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. Be encouraged. Give Bruce a hug. Amen. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.